Welcome to Mighty Buildings Podcast. Each episode features architects, home builders, and industry professionals sharing their experiences, failures, and successes. At the end of each episode, we'll dive into how Mighty Buildings relates to the conversation through our use of 3D printing, robotics, and automation. This is Sam Rubin, the Chief Sustainability Officer and one of the co-founders here at Mighty Buildings. And today it's my distinct pleasure to welcome Professor Eric Holt from the University of Denver, Denver Burns School of Construction Management and Real Estate. Uh, welcome, Eric. Hey, Sam. Thanks so much for having me here. Love it if you could just share a bit about uh, kind of a bit about your background, kind of some of the great stuff that you're doing at the Burns School. And uh, yeah, we can go from there. Sure. So we're a unique program. We're a real estate and construction management program. I don't think there's any other program like that in in North America. It's a lot of fun to be here doing that. Um, my background that brought me here to academia started in industry back in 1991. I'm a Purdue University construction management graduate, boiler up. Uh, had a very eclectic career in construction. Uh, started out as a, a materials lumberyard salesman. Uh, got to be a building inspector for a local jurisdiction and plan reviewer and got to know the code side of our business. And then uh, got to be a project manager for, for many years for a custom home semi-production builder. And during that time, the the plans we were working off of were garbage. They were good enough to get permit, but really a pain in the butt <laughs> to build from. And so we started drawing house plans on the side and that blew up in my face. And I had a, an entire staff of seven and owned an architectural design firm without being an architect for for many years through the mid 2000s. And then, then the market took a big dump in 2007 and we sold the business to a couple employees that have taken it further and better in the last 15 years or so. And, and I went back into academia and got my graduate degrees and, and fell in love with the teaching side of things and, and the opportunity to really make a bigger impact on the industry by training up the future leaders. And, and so I've been at the University of Denver now doing that for, geez, this is the start of my sixth year. And uh, um, I teach uh, construction building systems, which is materials and methods. And so we try and bring the latest and greatest technology and where the, the building industry is going into the classroom. I teach intro to architecture and plan reading. And then I also teach estimating. So um, I get to pretty much see all the students uh, freshmen, sophomore, and juniors, and uh, it's a lot of fun to, to work with them. It's the best part of my job is just connecting with them and their bright minds and their crazy ideas, and and uh, they, they love all the new technology and the new innovation that's happening, this unprecedented innovation that's happening in our industry the, 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 these times. So That's, wow. Yeah, that's quite the journey. So you've kind of really seen the industry from all sides. Yeah, kind of a, a jack of all trades, expert in none, but it makes for being a great professor with a lot of great stories to tell. So you've really, really kind of explored the industry from from all facets. Uh, given that, I'm kind of curious, what you see is kind of some of the the trends that are coming down the pipeline. Because uh, I know you just uh, completed uh, and published some some really interesting research around some of the new ways that people are building and things like that. And yeah, I would just love to hear maybe a bit more about that. So we, we got a grant a year ago from the National Housing Endowment to study stick built versus pre-cut versus panelization versus modularization. Just with the, the, the way that the labor market is going in housing and, and that being a number one problem, uh, the way that uh, affordable housing and th those challenges in industry right now, they were looking at, you know, is there a better way to build houses? 
Um, we, we always default to stick built. That's the lowest common denominator um, in the residential world. But does that mean it's the best way? No, it's just the easiest way. So when students come to me and say, hey, I want to build houses different, I'm like, well, you got some economically uh, a, a pretty low bar set you've got to overcome mm -hmm. when it comes to costs and, and ease um, of building homes. So this grant allowed us to go talk to a lot of industry and all the different ways that you could put a house together. Uh, there's a lot of people looking at offsite construction right now. Labor is and the lack of framers coming into the market, probably the number one driver in that. Mm -hmm. um, and that was pre-COVID and, and what COVID has done to the industry is even more whacked crazy, but we can go there uh, around that. But we got to, to study and look at and collect data from other builders that have done a lot of studies on and looking at this, uh, some regional builders, some national builders. And, and yes, offsite construction can build a more cost effective, both from a labor and a material uh, building. It's just it, so few builders are pursuing it. They're really looking at it hard right now, mm -hmm. but it is such a, the challenge comes, you know, changing, it's a culture shift, changing builders mentality uh, from a site built, uh, think about a week in advance to a manufactured mindset that plans out everything before the first stick goes in the door to the product that comes out the back end. So, uh, but we're seeing this culture shift. Um, how long it's going to take that? I wish I had a crystal ball. We'd be placing some bets right now. <laughs> but because of everybody looking at how do, how do we find different ways to build a home? You've got all these new innovative technologies entering the market. And, and uh, you asked earlier, you know, what, what, what do we geek out on? Well, we geek out on really cool, because the students really get excited about stuff that's new and innovative and, and 3D printing, you know, everybody's been watching that. I've been watching it, but I kind of wrote it off as, you know, five to 10 years out, uh, not for the mass markets. And then mm -hmm. I discovered you guys, Mighty Buildings, and how you've, <laughs> you, you, you're doing something totally different than in, in the innovative space. You're using a totally different material, th totally different process, totally different labor market. Um, you've actually got product on the ground being lived in right now. I mean, that's huge compared to some of the stuff that I see on YouTube that, you know, doesn't deal with the, the North America building codes very well. So um, those are the things that we get to experience. And, and, and I sit in a very, a very unique place in academia. We get to watch all this happen around our bubble without, you know, financially or emotionally getting too connected to hurt. So but uh, those are some of the neat things that we're seeing right now. It's just the, the different uses of wood, different uses and, and how houses are being manufactured um, it, that competes very well with the, the stick built versions. And then we're seeing a whole lot of new technology and 3D printing, um, offsite construction, uh, robotics, drones, just a lot of really cool applications of technology like we've never seen before. So not, and not in my, you know, 30 years of being in the industry now, it's, it's really unique times.
Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, as we're looking around the landscape, it's exciting to see all the great companies that are jumping in with new technologies, whether it be hardware or software to kind of tackle some of these big problems that are uh, resulting in the inefficiency. Um, obviously, we, we love our take on it, but we're even with us, we're identifying, well, who are other people that are doing cool things that can plug in and works well with what we're doing to really yeah. to continue to unlock that. And so we, you mentioned something there um, about the regulatory side of things and in terms of innovation. Uh, given your kind of unique perspective from where you've been in the industry, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you see that playing out in general and, and kind of what opportunities there might be there. That's one of the main hurdles of new technology in, in the home building, in the construction industry in North America is that we have a very... We have a building code. It's not a national code. It, you know, it, it's written at a national level, but it, you know, every state gets to adopt their version of it and then add their their amendments. And then, depending on the state, the 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 do local jurisdictions get to also weigh in on what they want and don't want in the code. They can't make it any less, but a lot of them make it stricter or mm -hmm. or have different interpretations. And so that becomes a huge challenge for any builder. To, to put it in perspective here, I, I live in Denver, Colorado Front Range here. Uh, between the, the nine counties and the all the little small jurisdictions that make up the metro front range of the Denver metro area, 59 different jurisdictions, 59 different permits, 59 different interpretations. Some of them are pretty lenient. Some of them are really strict. Uh, the different Permit fees range anywhere from $2,500 to $50,000 per home, per unit. So it just, it's, it's, that's a huge challenge to overcome. Uh, for offsite builders, that means, you know, if you're shipping north, south, east, or west, your, your shipping costs, uh, your permitting mm -hmm. costs could fluctuate, you know, plus or minus 50 grand. Uh, it, it just, and, and it's not like that just in the front range. It's like that across North America. Um, so uh, there are definitely pockets of the, the nation where regulations and building permits are, are very, not lax, but just not, it's not a super highly enforced mm -hmm. uh, market. And then you get into where you guys are, California, where it's one of the most regulated. And that's where a lot of the building codes come from. And then over 10 to 15 years worked their way into the Midwest. Um, so uh, that's, as we, we look at different innovation, how do they, how do they, they they've got to meet with the building codes uh, or you've got to go through the, the three-year cycle to get your innovation into the building codes. Um, and, and that takes a lot longer than three years, a lot of times. So. Yeah, no, what's in instructionally insulated panels take something like seven years or, or more. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So in that regard, I think that's, we've been really, really benefited from the partnership with UL um, and from the fact that we start looking at the regulatory side from day one, um, kind of recognizing the nature of housing because we've already gotten 3D printing into the code with the new uh, uh, Appendix U in the 2021 IRC. So I think that's definitely highlights kind of something that we do a little differently at, at Mighty Buildings and, and how we approach things. And really, I get, it's what happens when you have a pol when some of your founders are policy wonks. Um. <laughs> that's a good thing. I mean, every time I talk and tell your guys a story about starting there on, on the West Coast, I, I, I want to sing it. But if you could build it there, you can build it anywhere. So uh, that, that's a very good policy in theory, because there's other technology that starts other places in the United States. That's like you're going to. It may work in that pocket, mm -hmm. but to take it, I mean, I look at what 
we have here in Denver and the fact that you guys already have a lot of that regulatory issues solved, the, the, the reciprocity of you guys wanting to move into the Denver market would be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So, and and that's I mean that's part of why we we picked California too is is that we recognize it has one of the most stringent codes in the world and we we've always had that eye towards expanding at scale and making it as easy as, easy as possible to move into other states, other jurisdictions, other countries. That was very wise of you guys because a lot of people don't think about their innovation or their technology and housing um, until they hit a building inspector. Uh, I mean the offsite guys are still struggling to get. Uh, modular construction into the code. And even though the state would license their factory, you, you get it to a jurisdiction. There's still a lot of jurisdictions that want you to take apart the building for them to reinspect what's already passed at the state level. And that's one of the common problems that we hear all the time uh, with innovation and, and with different building is you still got to get down to the local county building inspector who not quite sure what he thinks about your new technology and because we've never built it that way before. So. Yep. Yeah. We've had to do a lot of education uh, when we get to, because we still have to get the local permits for the uh, foundation for the site work. And then obviously the the zoning uh, check. And so, yeah, that's something we've, we've actually put together a whole handbook that kind of takes pieces from the state uh, regulations and really lays out in clear detail where the state responsibilities end, where our responsibilities end, and where the local, the uh, authority having jurisdictions responsibilities end. Um, and once we can make it clear that we're trying to make their life easier and that, because uh, generally most of them are so busy that they're like, oh wait, I don't have to worry about that, great. Uh, yeah. But obviously you still have, particularly in smaller jurisdictions, you get down and they're like, I don't care. I don't care what the law says. This is my community, I'm, I'm doing the inspection. It's like, well, about that you're not actually yeah. allowed to <laughs> well, we're taking so a proactive yeah. route i mean another uh you know mass timber company you know going through the the the, the clt technology they mm-hmm. had a team a couple people that whenever they're moving into a new market that's all this team does is go ahead of them to sit and educate the building inspectors hey this is coming here's the codes here's the engineering i mean to be proactive so yeah. by the time that project does hit the permit office they know about it. They've already read through the data. They, 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 it's not the first time they've seen information on this project or on this technology because you know, the, the regulations and the jurisdictions that could, uh, well, well, you know, Hey, we're going to break ground next week. And, and guess what? You know, you're, you're going to get mired up for two years and that's going to really kill a project. So. Yeah. No, you piss off the wrong, the wrong local official and that's, that's just never happening. So yeah, that's, and that actually reflects with something we've, uh, did as well as engage with local uh, building and planning officials from early on um, and kind of because we love going in and meeting with the city officials similarly just to get them comfortable with what we're doing, giving them a chance to ask their questions um, and really, really make it clear that we're doing everything by the book. So that's yeah. that has been hugely helpful. And then when if in the future we do run into an issue, then it's like, oh, well, let me just call up the senior planner and check in and be like, hey, this is what's going on. And and so we've that's that's worked really well. And they've been able to clear things up with their their teams and yeah. yeah, I think that's that's a great approach, really, that kind of yeah. taking collaborative aspect to it. And I think that mindset, I mean, at least I know here in Denver in our front range, you know, a lot of the city planning departments are becoming more, they, they want that collaborative. I mean, we've had mm-hmm. great conversations with some of the local jurisdictions on projects uh, where we're, we're sitting down and talking to them ahead of time before we even show up at their planning office to work things out. And so they seem to appreciate that, that uh that collaboration, including them up front, you know, mm-hmm. not surprising them with something new because, I mean, 
so I, I would hope that mindset, again, it's that, that culture shift in industry that has to happen. Um, you know, so you uh, you guys are seeing that. Uh, we've seen it here in our jurisdiction. I'm not sure how other jurisdictions are. Um, you know, uh, so hopefully that, that mindset is changing amongst building inspectors and officials along with builders, you know, as the industry shifts right now in the, in the light of especially trying to do business in this new normal. So, yeah, with all the kind of really rapid digitalization that's had to, that's occurred over the last eight months. Yeah. 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 And not just, be, not just because of monetary reasons, but for health reasons, Yeah, you know, you know we, we, we've got to digitize, we've got to figure out how to do inspections online, how to do inspections in a new normal, just for the safety of everybody, not because it's a monetary, it's amazing how healthcare can drive the industry. So, I mean, I'd say the digitization has been one of the few positives from the pandemic is that yeah. it's forced a lot of municipalities to really upgrade and kind of step into the 21st century with their the processes and everything. One, I did want to touch a bit on kind of the labor side of, of the construction equation, because you've, you've mentioned to me, uh, pre or I've heard you mention previously that there's something like 400,000 jobs out there right now in the, in the industry that just aren't being filled. Yeah. And I would love to use our last couple of minutes here, kind of learning more kind of about that and what you're seeing uh, in your position, kind of in teaching the that next generation of, uh, of construction and real estate leaders. That's a huge in the industry right now. So people left the industry and then it's ramped back up and they've needed those trades people. I mean, I'm part of a four year program. I'm training managers, not trades. Mm -hmm. um, and we're very concerned that we're going to have managers a dime a dozen and they've got no one to manage. And so we're working with uh, two year programs, high schools, uh, some of the other more trades programs. How can we support them? Um, because it's not going to, to fix this whole labor issue, it's not going to be one program. It's not going to be the four-year colleges. It's not just going to be the two-year. It's going to be the ecosystem of all of us in education and in industry. Um, and so we support like micro and, and you know, a four-year program is just an option to go to. But there's a lot of great training out there, hands-on training, skills training, where where you don't incur the, the school debt of a four-year mm -hmm. program and you can get started you know, working a lot quicker. You raise a great point, which is that as a society, we've kind of become so enamored with the idea of the four-year college um, as, as the kind of the right path for everyone. When historic, if you look back historically, that's just it's not the case. Yeah. And so I think there's some huge opportunities for two-year programs or even just apprenticeship programs um, where people who, because it's also, I mean, People are wired differently. People learn differently. People find them best selves, their best selves differently. And so to try and kind of shoehorn everyone into the same box when when everyone's all these different shapes and styles is just doesn't make sense to me. So I yeah, fully agree with you in that uh, kind of all the above uh, yeah. aspect, aspect of that solution. Well, as we're looking at different ways to build a home, you've got to figure out different labor market and different ways to pull from that, too. And so that's another thing that's pretty cool about what you guys are doing. It's 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 totally out of the normal construction trades training. You know, you need technicians, you need robotics, you need coders, you need a whole different labor pool. Yeah. And that, you know, I look at some of this offsite construction and go, well, we're just building, we're competing for the same wood, we're competing for the same framers, we're competing for the same trades, we just moved them inside. You know, what is so mm -hmm. different about that? And, and so looking at different technology that is not fighting for the same resources, material and labor is, 
I think where it's, it's going, the cutting edge and where it's going, and, and that's another shout out to Mighty Buildings, what you guys are doing, and why I geek out over you guys. So. <laughs> well, Eric, it is always an honor and a pleasure to, to sit down and chat with you. But uh, unfortunately, that is all the time we've got for today's episode. Uh, definitely look forward to having you on again to continue the conversation. And all the folks out there, I hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful holidays. Thank you all.